0: What's up, bingers? It's Hump Day, and we are just days away from CrimeCon, where I will be presenting True Crime Binge live. If you're going to be in Austin this weekend, definitely look me up. And keep your eyes peeled on all of my social media, because we'll definitely be doing some fan meetups outside of the conference. So if you're not going to the conference, but you happen to be in the Dallas area, stay tuned. Check out my Twitter and my Instagram, both at BobRuffTruth and at True Crime Binge. And for today's episode, I have a really cool guest for you. She is the host of the Dialogue podcast, my new friend, Rebecca Sebastian. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. Okay, as I was saying before we before we uh, started recording. take care yeah. of business. Yeah, so we're, uh, uh, Rebecca and I were just discussing how we're both going to be, uh, well, I'm leaving for CrimeCon the day after this airs. What time are you going? So this is going to air next Wednesday.
1: Oh, same. Yeah, I'll, I'll arrive Thursday.
0: Yep, me too. So we're leaving at 7 in the morning on Thursday, uh, which means. Ouch. Yep, have to get uh, all the recordings uh, for the week done ahead of time. Which normally yeah, exactly. is not a huge deal, but as I was saying, I completely screwed myself because I was on vacation last week was a trip that I had planned a year ago and before I oh, knew nice. about CrimeCon. So I had right. to do all that doubling up, get everything ahead of time before that trip, got back, and now I have one quick week to make up for that and make up for the next week. So and uh Ugh. I spent my morning today doing my annual workers' comp audit, which was fun that i
1: oh god that about. sounds painful that <laughs> yeah. makes me like have a stomach ache um <laughs> yeah so you're feeling it doubly and it's like you probably really needed that vacation but you now are kind of paying for it it's like that trade-off like i think that was worth it
0: <laughs> yeah it's tough it's it's tough in this business um and i want to get into how you got into this business but it's yeah sure because it's just like anybody who's self-employed right they're like you're the boss you can leave whenever you want but like vacations cause me so much anxiety and stress that it's just, it's, it's unbelievable because all you're thinking about is how far behind I'm going to get and what deadlines am I going to miss on
1: exactly. It's, it's a different kind of stress. When you are employed by somebody else, you can take vacation and depending where you work, you still might get all those emails and and contact, you know, really it varies wildly for people. But when you're self-employed and you go on vacation, it's like, You're that voice and that person, like Mm -hmm. giving yourself those, you know, notices and reminders. So it's it's like there's no reprieve. And so yes, a lot of planning, a little planning will go a long way for you to enjoy. But there's a lot of work to do on the front end to be able to enjoy a vacation. So I feel you. My husband's self employed too, so we're like we kind of just feel like we're always working. Like have laptops, will travel is sort of our.
0: Yeah, exactly. our mo, and
1: there's some beautiful freedom in that, and there's like some trappings. It's it's always a trade off.
0: Yeah. So are you are you pretty stoked about CrimeCon?
1: I am. Um, I'm feeling very excited to just travel. Um, I've taken like one trip since the pandemic. My daughter and I looked at some colleges just last month because she did the whole application process in COVID, so we didn't really see any campuses. So we just went and did a couple last month. So that was really fun. And it just gave me that, like, oh, I'm on an airplane. Like, this is so amazing. And I actually hate flying. And I was, like, running onto the plane. I just was so excited. Um, So I'm excited to go somewhere. I've never been to Texas. I'm excited to start with Austin. I feel like that's a great first entry into Texas. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on podcast row for dialogue. I'm going to be hosting trivia, which you're going to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And I'm interviewing people for the virtual crime con experience for the audience at home. so I'm gonna be busy like you, I'll be doing a lot of different things there but um that's how I like it. So yeah, I'm super excited.
0: yeah, it's gonna be fun. Is this your first crime con?
1: It's my second. I went two years ago to New Orleans.
0: Gotcha. yep that yeah. one was that one was a good time. I'm not a big fan of New Orleans. I'm pretty excited about Austin. I loved Nashville loved uh, and I and I like Austin. I'm one of the few people that just does not... I I don't dig New Orleans at all.
1: What is it about it?
0: It's just the city itself. I've been there a few times, and I I think I'm too old for it, is what it is. Well,
1: I hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was my first time there. I haven't been to a lot of the South. Like This is going to really say a lot, I guess, about... I mean, I'm just a Northeast person. It's where I'm from. I'm from New Jersey. I've lived in New York my whole adult life. So I thought New Orleans was beautiful, but I don't drink, and I'm old. So... For me it's hard to find a way into that like nightlife. I'm like uh give me the spooky house tour and like back in the hotel at 9 and I'm I'm happy. But um I'm very excited about Austin. I've heard nothing but good things.
0: Yeah, I've I've only been to Austin. I went to Austin to interview Jason Baldwin a few years ago and I only got to spend oh, like cool. one day there, but it was it's a cool town. I like I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping to have a little time.
0: Yeah, I th- I th- I think I do. So we Gosh, this is some this is a conversation that could happen off the air. Is there anything going on for on Thursday? <laughs> because as far as I know, I don't have to do anything till Friday.
1: Yeah, same. Um, no, I'm gonna set up a couple things. I arrive like Thursday after. I haven't heard of anything Thursday night, to be honest. So, I think I'm gonna do dinner with Doctor Shiloh and a bunch of people. So, if you guys is are you, is your wife going with you? She is. Yep. Okay. Well, let us know. We're trying to get a dinner uh, planned.
0: Yeah, this is how podcasters uh, get to <laughs> arrange, you know, meals and drinks. If yeah. We do it on the air. seriously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. I know. This is like not interesting at all. We can cut this. Um, but yeah, that's all I know of so far for Thursday night. I'm just kind of looking forward to not going right into work. So, right. you know, we can ease in Thursday night and then Friday we're going to be off to the races.
0: Yeah, Friday is going to be crazy. So this is it. it so Zach, um, one of our co-hosts from the Friday follow-up episodes is coming with me. Oh, nice! And this weekend, that the weekend of CrimeCon is my wife's birthday, and it's Zach and his wife's anniversary. Oh, we kinda, we're we're making it like a the, the timing's working out well. So we're getting in on uh Thursday morning and or it all early afternoon Thursday, and then we'll hang out that night and go do whatever. Friday, my day is jammed. I'm doing two live true crime binges. There's podcast row. I'm doing the trivia with you. I'm doing a panel yeah. with Sarah Turney. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like...
1: Yeah, that's nonstop.
0: I don't know why they did that to me because then I look at the schedule and it's like, Saturday, I have nothing to do. I can just, I got to go podcast row and that's it.
1: I know. I know. It's kind of rains when it rains, it pours. But that's good. You'll be freed up Saturday. Um, that's really fun. You guys have a lot to celebrate
0: mm-hmm. with yep. your hosts and
1: significant others. That's very fun.
0: Yep. So let's get into you a little bit. Um, I'm sure everybody doesn't really care what I'm going to be doing this weekend. Uh, <laughs> so you host a Dialogue Never Podcast. Know. Tell me a little bit about your back, your background. Like, where did you come from before you ended up being a true crime podcaster?
1: Sure. So I'm like my background, like my origin, true crime story, or like my just before I started all this
0: before craziness. You, what that did you? I do. Yeah. Like, what was your what was your first real job?
1: Oh, uh, as an adult. Sorry. Sure, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, and like,
1: I worked in a toy store when I was 14.
0: Okay, very um, good. I see how that can yeah, lead you so, to true crime.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Depends on the toys. Um, so I'm in marketing. That's the boring and short answer. I studied acting, so I have kind of a performance acting background, but I minored in communications. Thankfully, had a, another skill set. Uh <laughs> I don't, as it turns out, have a super thick skin, which you really need to really give it a go in acting. And apparently, as a podcaster too. I say that, um, how you
0: doing podcasting? It's so much worse.
1: I can, <laughs> you can hide a little more. Like people don't have to see me cry when I, you know, read some reviews <laughs> or right. like feedback, as opposed to auditions where I could like barely hold it together to get out of the room. Yeah. So I've been in marketing and just a big true crime reader consumer for years and years. And before I started dialogue. I started Yellow Tape, which is what you're going to be participating in next week. So Yellow Tape is a true crime trivia show. And I just, I just was like, I know so much about true crime. I got to do something with this. This is like so insane and, and ridiculous how much I know. And, you know, the real story of it is that I'd also given up drinking just for my own mental health. So I was kind of, um, I was kind of antsy, honestly, and just a little like, bored and like I needed to change up my schedule. This is like, I don't know if you really wanted all that information, but that's really how Yellow Tape was born. I was like, I need to do something. And so I wanted to do a trivia night where all the categories would be true crime and I'd pull in true crime fans and we'd do it for a good cause and it would be respectful, but fun. And that's how that was born. And it was so much fun. So that was 2017 pre-pandemic. So lots of live shows in New York. Then I started doing it at um, places like CrimeCon and True Crime Podcast Festival, Crime Expos, etc. And what I noticed happening was these conversations would start happening in the audience where they kind of would want to unpack one of the themes or the topics mm-hmm. and explore things. And I wanted to as well, but it just wasn't conducive to this fifty-five minute live performance. I just couldn't figure out how to incorporate that into the format. So I was like, oh no, like do I have to start a true crime podcast? Cause like the world does not need another true crime podcast.
0: (laughs) Do I do this too? Everybody else is doing it.
1: (laughs) Really? It was 2019. It was not a felt need in the world, right? Like you started pre, you know, before this was so saturated, but I did think, you know, if I'm going to do this, I think it has to be a little bit different. And so I thought an interview format might be the way to go. And you're doing that on true crime binge. Mm Mm-hmm. So I set out to do that. I thought let me like let me explore the conversations that this audience wants in a one-on-one format with people who know what they're talking about cuz lord knows like it wasn't me. I had lots of questions and I was curious, but I don't have all the answers. So I just bring on somebody amazing who knows a lot every week and we kind of explore these themes that are found in the heart of every true crime story like justice, injustice, race, wrongful convictions, um coercive control, trauma, addiction, you know, really big things that on their own don't sound like true crime. But if you look in most cases you talk about, you can find a lot of those. So that's how dialogue was born. I say it always, it's kind of like it picks up where yellow tape left off.
0: So tell me more about yellow tape because I was i, was v- I was familiar with dialogue. I've listened to a few of your episodes before and then I listened to a few, a few more in the last couple of days. But Yellow Tape, I was I was unfamiliar with. When yeah. you asked me to be on the Yellow Tape <laughs> trivia, I'm like, sure, yeah. I don't know what that is, but yeah. I'll do it. So so it's, it's this trivia thing, but it, was it ever it like a podcast or a YouTube thing, or has it always just been live events?
1: No, it was always just a live event. I actually, when I had those rumblings about, oh, I think I need to start a podcast, the original idea was, let me translate this to an audio experience and add in a little conversation And that just fell flat for me. I honestly recorded some and I listened back and I'm like, this is not the same. And maybe I was just too attached to the live experience. I I couldn't imagine a listener being super excited about listening to it. I now, having podcasted for a couple of years, feel like I could probably make a yellow tape trivia show a listenable audio experience. Uh I don't think I could conceive of how to do that then. But yeah, it's a live show. So people come and they play in a team. So you would come with your friends and you would come up with a team name and the team names are kind of the most fun part. Like people in New York would come up with the best names. So Hard Knocks Life, um, Ted Bundy's Type. Like they got a little a little edgy. <laughs> um,
0: do you want to know my team? My trivia team name? for yes, I, please. I've never played true crime trivia, but I yeah. do play trivia every Thursday at one of our local watering holes here. Nice. Uh, and our team is called Circle Beef Jerky. So, oh my God! So, yeah, there's a lot pretty of good. yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of good. thought that has to go into. The, there into the absolutely
1: is. Names. You know, you've got to come out like strong with a name, show your confidence. You're not playing around. That is um that's that's a message that you're sending. It's
0: like a triple <laughs> entendre. <right? laughs>
1: absolutely, it's a lot of masculine energy. Um, <laughs> which is, there's only two men know. on
0: our team. The rest are all women. I don't know how we got them to. I'm oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's
1: really funny. That actually <laughs> makes me like it even more. <laughs> so so that's uh, that's how the show is. It's five rounds, and people would play from their seats. Now, the way we're doing it, when I do it at big venues and big events, I, I pull up contestants. It's a little more Jeopardy style. Uh-huh. But if you come to a smaller live show, it's much more about the, the audience experience. And uh, yeah, there's some anecdotes. I do a couple stories. It's not stand-up per se, but there's moments where I'll tell some funny stories. And sometimes I'll pull up a guest that's interesting. Um, I don't know if you have the Citizen app. Do you have that in your city?
0: Uh, no. I <laughs> city. It's called I live Citizen. In a, I live in a oh. rural township. <laughs> I, I have Sorry, to drive to get.
1: I, I actually to get to
0: a city. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, I actually knew that. Um, but Citizen is kind of expanding, so I didn't know if it'd come to your region. I should say yeah. your region, but it's this. It's an app, and it's a crowdsourced app crime app. So New York was the first city to have it. And people will hold their phone up if they see something weird going on and record it and then put it onto this app. I don't know entirely how it works. And then people can verify it. And eventually the NYPD will verify like, yes, this is happening. We're responding. But anyway, the founder of Citizen came to one of our shows and people were freaking out because it was the first year Citizen app existed in New York. So it's just cool, kind of like a safety, true crime aspect to the show. So sometimes there's surprises like that. I have little prizes for the audience, but the main draw is always we're making a donation. Um, I always chose the Innocence Project because they're very close to my heart. And uh, that's that's what we do. It's just true crime for a good cause.
0: Oh, that's Awesome. Yeah. So what can I expect on Friday when I sit on this? Because I'm going to win, Rebecca. I don't yeah. like to, I'm not good at not winning.
1: Oh, gosh. So you're competitive.
0: Good chance. I'm going to flip some tables over. Uh, Things are going to break bad. Is... Me and James are probably going to get into fisticuffs if he starts pulling ahead yeah. of me. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Are, are, we, are we teams or are these all individuals?
1: It's like speaking of workman's comp, let me make sure CrimeCon right. has us all sign <laughs> waivers. I am not responsible for any damages. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I I love a good competitive energy. No, it's going to be independent. So you're playing for yourself. I'm going to have two podcasters up each round, plus an audience member, because I want to engage the audience. And I think they're going to be excited, like to go against Bob Ruff or Catherine Townsend or, you know, any one of the amazing people playing Yellow Tape that night. And then you'll just be up for one round. You do your best and you won't know the category. And if you're looking for like some special treatment or intel today, it's not happening. Okay, not going to give you any hints.
0: I mean, we say that, but you're gonna give me some hints, right?
1: Offline. (laughs) (laughs) Off the air. Not an idiot. Yeah, so you won't know what the round is, but each round is all around one theme. So it's very luck of the draw. Like you're either like, you know, that's kind of the crapshoot of it is you might know a lot about this one topic or nothing. So that kind of is the fun and what sucks about it. And then the fifth round will pull up the two highest competitors across the four rounds and they'll go face off, no audience members. So if it's you and Dr. Shiloh left with the highest scores, you'll compete face-to-face for the ultimate champion title in the fifth round. So that's that's how it's going to work. So give it to your best- Is there,
0: be there going to be a buzzer?
1: There's handheld buzzers and they're, yes. I upgraded them. I am telling you, I've had buzzers at live events that like nobody can hear, but the person buzzing it, it was a disaster. These are like Jeopardy. The first person to buzz in locks out the other people. Like, it's not playing around. It's really good system. I'm so excited about that.
0: I've always wanted to have a buzzer like that.
1: Everybody feels that way. I'm so, so excited about it. Also lights up. So there's no discrepancy who is first. Like, we are playing for real. And yes, you're going to get a buzzer, and it's going to be awesome.
0: Nice. And I just remember that I need to get you (laughs) a headshot, which means I need to get my wife come in here with my iPhone and take a picture of my head. And send yes. to you to for the promotion shot. purposes. Yes. Yep. I'll take a, yeah. take a shot. A
1: headshot, you know, <laughs> we can just call it a picture if it makes everyone feel more comfortable. I like I like, low, I like the pressure. fact that I'm
0: gonna have a headshot here shortly. <laughs> me you know, too. No one's You're ever welcome. asked me for one before. You <laughs> You're welcome.
1: <laughs> welcome. Uh yeah, it's gonna be great.
0: Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to to the whole event and and meeting you in person and and, and man, you put together a hell of a panel. Like what uh, most of those people. I have my list of people I'm reaching out to for true crime binge, and so for you, you listeners, Rebecca sends me in this group email <laughs> uh everybody that's going to be a part of this trippy. I'm like, hey, that's everybody that I want to talk to. <laughs> so I-,
1: I know. Right? And I booked three
0: interviews right off of that, right off of that email thread.
1: Well, again, you're welcome. Yeah, And <laughs> I have to say, hosting dialogue has been such – that's like a big perk, is just getting to know – I know you've probably experienced right. this. You meet your heroes, and you meet amazing guests who become friends, and then you get to call on them to do things like true crime trivia, so – I wouldn't say the whole panel's been on dialogue, but a good majority of them. And you're next, my friend, by the way. Right. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's been, it's really fun. I'm so excited for people who've said, yes, I'm very grateful. And we're going to play for charity, but I'm going to let the winner decide on where they want the money to go instead of choosing the Innocence Project for them. So everyone's going to get to play for their cause. So that'll shine a light on all these, you know, organizations that the players are passionate about and the audience can hear what those are. So I'm really excited.
0: That's incredible, and like I said, super excited to do it. And yeah, the 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 process of I just posted yesterday, which will be last week now. I had uh, Jason Flom was my guest last week.
1: Oh, he's amazing.
0: Yeah, and when I I had him on, then it was even like listening back, and it was just like this is the coolest thing of doing true crime binge has been to like every week I sit down and meet new people that have similar interests and that were you know in in the same industry doing the same type of work and like Jason Flom's one of my heroes like getting to know those people and, and so now I had a little bit of an advantage coming into this because I started true crime binge 5 years into Truth and Justice. Right. So I I had a, I had a little bit of juice to get some of these people to come in and talk to me. But you've managed to have some incredible guests <laughs> on dialogue. Like how like how'd you pull that off? Like like you know how how do you break into a space uh, cuz you did it, you did it so well broke into a space that you weren't really a part of yet i mean you had yellow tape but you were not in the podcast realm and then start loading up your show with these these uh, incredible guests
1: i honestly ask myself the same question like how did i get so lucky i uh, would love to say it's my winsome personality i think it's mostly naivete and and an audacious boldness in just asking it so mm-hmm. I got lucky with my first few guests. And then once you have those, you're like, past guests include, and I was lucky enough, Tara Newell was like number three. Right. Uh, Child of God, cult survivor who'd never shared her story anywhere was number two. Mm -hmm. A published author on serial killers who's turned into a great friend, Tori Telfer, was number one. So then you kind of have a little something to go on, like, and then you can say, you know, and- Upcoming are and anybody who told me maybe I would include them in the list.
0: Like, right. <laughs>
1: you know, you kind of fake it till you make it. And, you know, I'm happy to say the show has improved over. I'm getting very close to hundred episodes. I think my interviews are, are getting better as they should. I cringe a little. I don't know how you feel. You've got more experience coming into true crime binge. Like I listen to the older ones and I'm like, Oh, that could use tightening up a lot, but I still think like the raw essence of what it was was appealing to people. It was a place to come and lift the veil a little bit on their process. Talk about the genre of true crime itself. That was something that nobody else was doing. It was right. not just case focused. It was what are we talking about when we talk about true crime? And is this okay? And this is entertainment. And how do we feel about it? And how did this start for you? What was the first dark thing you read or watched? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think people appreciated having a place to do that. And then not only did I have podcasters, I had experts. So for me, it's sort of like, um, almost like career day at school you know you get to hear what people do i have tremendous like you have an amazing career prior to podcasting in fire in fire in firework what do you call it in
0: we firefighting. Call it firework. i actually like fire. firework yeah
1: yeah fire fireworks <laughs> it's very fun um you know i love hearing people's paths i've had secret service agents and polygraph experts i mean these aren't people you talk to every day, and yet yeah, they're so connected to true crime stories, right? So, how does somebody get to the FBI? How does somebody become a polygraph expert? Uh, so, for me, I think honest curiosity, most people are pretty receptive to. I have to say, I'm almost 100 episodes in. I've gotten like five, seven flat out no's. Most people say yes, or I get no response. I mean, a non response is a no, but I'm talking like a no. Most people say, yeah, sure. I mean, people like to talk about themselves too. That
0: helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think that the true crime the thing is for me it's easy because I'm I'm I do all true crime podcasters and and I, I think a lot of people don't really it, 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 certainly there's some there's there's some competition built in there especially on the the business side of things a little bit but for the most part I don't think people realize what a community true crime podcasters are like when you're listening to any podcast and you're hearing a promo for another show you know 90% of the time those aren't paid ads those are all of us just like trying to help each other out you know another friend of mine that's in the business will be like hey I'm launching a new show would you mind doing a promo swap with me and we're doing this stuff all the time so it's pretty easy for me to get other podcasters on cuz especially with true crime been cuz it's kind of a you know it's kind of a give and take you're giving me a good interview I'm giving you some exposure absolutely it, and that was kind of where this whole thing was born for me was it was during season nine of truth and justice it was during the pandemic. It was like, we were all hurting and I was like, I need content and you guys need listeners. It's so do I it was like, let's just, you know, come on and we'll just do this thing. And it turned into true crime binge. So smart. But you, you got into, uh, you, you get in so many, like a lot of your episodes that I've listened to have not been necessarily podcasters. They were, right. you know, there, there are a lot of experts and, you know, like the, the case we're going to talk about today, uh, the Nexium cult, you know, you had somebody, an author who wrote about it.
1: Yeah, very recently, um, Sarah Berman was on who wrote Don't Call It a Cult, which is a great provocative title. It is a cult, spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> Some people are like, how
1: dare she? I'm like, she was really thoughtful in choosing that title. If you, you know, we talk about that in the interview. But to your point about the true crime community, before we move on, that is a huge piece of why dialogue has taken off and why I got guests. Um, I find. As a whole, it's a very generous group of people who want to help each other. I think a win for one is a win for all, mostly. I'm sure there's exceptions, but I, I've only honestly encountered really thoughtful and generous people. And I owe initial downloads to other more experienced podcasters. I'll never forget, Moms and Murder said, "We'll play your promo." I was like, "Are you serious?" Like they're they were they are huge, right? And the nicest women. And um, they played my trailer, and that I feel like gave me a real boost and a real chance, a fighting chance, because it's hard. It's hard to break in. And now I, of course, co host a show with Melissa. I don't even know if you know that. We just launched a new show. (laughs) Yeah. Me and Melissa from Moms and Murder in February. We launched Criminality, which is about reality TV and true crime. So we're covering crimes that happened to reality stars of like shows we've watched over the years, but they're all very white collar crimes or. Mostly it's money stuff, no murder, which is so nice because we both felt like we just need a little lighter content, palate cleanser, um, but we're having a lot of fun on that show.
0: That'd be cool. I'll have to have you guys on together to talk about that one.
1: Oh, fun. Yeah, let's do that.
0: But you know, like what you were just describing, I, I, I've said for years, Robbie Chowdhury made my career.
1: Oh my gosh, sure.
0: When I was, when I was sitting in my, you know, uh, this story I've told a million times that I was sitting in my garden shed with the tractor with the dog shit on the tires recording my, <laughs> my little podcast rabia started listening to it and then she started tweeting on it and then mentioned when she when she mentioned my show on undisclosed you know I'd even had her on as a guest at one point and then she said hey go check this out because he's doing some good work on the case everything but my my, my life changed that day I mean the the numbers got so big I was at just a, a bad point in my other career where I was I was over being you know doing firework fireworks yeah I was done with the fireworks <laughs> Uh, but it was 100 percent. That's what it took was the the just the the generosity and kindness of Rabia of helping support somebody that was doing similar work, and it and it changed my life. And you all know, similar with you with um, uh, Melissa,
1: yeah, Melissa and Mandy of Moms and Murder. So many M's. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's amazing. And uh, Rebecca Lavoie did that for me. Uh, she was on. I mean, that was probably a year plus into podcasting, but I saw a major spike. Like I was kind of maintaining at that point. And then she was on and spoke highly of the episode and shared it. And I think crime writers on listeners are so voracious for right good new content. And her endorsement carries mm-hmm. a lot of weight. Sure. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I- I'm just humbled by the way people want to pay it forward. And so, yeah. I, I think that's a, a great way to operate in any work you do is to be generous, you know, to the people beneath you, ahead of you, next to you. It's just a good way to be a human.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cool space, and that's and that's why I'm really looking forward to uh, getting to CrimeCon and hanging out with everybody.
1: Same, I know, I can't wait.
0: So let, let's go ahead and shift into. I for those of you listening, I think you're aware of this, but I let our guest every week pick a case that we're going to talk about. I've never been much into cults. I don't know much about them. Fun. I did a deep dive into Heaven's Gate Ooh. in in preparation for Jillian Pensavali's episode when she came on. And then Jillian and I spent an hour talking about dogs. <laughs> and-
1: <laughs> as does happen. We, we spent a fair bit of time on dogs as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: which was one of my favorite conversations ever, but we never yep. got around to it. Um, and so... First of all, I the first thing I learned about Nexium after you mentioned it to me and I started researching it was in the first couple minutes of listening to your one of your episodes because you got a couple on it. Yeah, (laughs) is that it's it's pronounced Nexium because you sent me you sent me let's talk about N X I V M and I'm like oh my gosh. Sure, let's talk about that. The fuck is that? <laughs>
1: I didn't tell you I'm a Latin scholar, and I expect anybody who interviews me to also be one. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so first of all, like, is Nexium just like what people call? Like, what is like? Why is it NXIVM? It's then- made up.
1: It's BS. It's a completely fabricated combination of letters to look like something meaningful. It has no meaning. It's just Nexium. There's some theories out there that Nexium does have meaning, but N-X-I-V-M they put together to be Nexium. To be cryptic, intriguing, whatever. I mean, this was run by a man who fancied himself the smartest man in the world. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that surprising. And they have other Latin terms. I don't know how deep you got in your research, but dos, the inner circle, the sex cult part. Uh-huh. That is Latin for um Dominum Obsequious. Sororatum, I believe, which loosely translates to master over slave. Ah, so so yeah, there's Latin um, like propensity, but I, I don't think nexium actually has any meaning.
0: Is nexium the Latin pronunciation of that gobbledygook of letters?
1: I believe so. I guess it would be.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah, not. I kind of brushed back up on my Latin. I haven't spoke it for a while.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's that's fair. I mean, God it's damn, not.
0: Do, um, do I have a babble as sponsorship needed. in this episode? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Duolingo for Latin. <laughs>
0: Touch up on my Latin. In, Seriously. Uh,
1: you know, before it was Nexium, it was actually called Executive Success Program, which is very boring and corporate sounding and very, it, that like reeks of an MLM. So I think Nexium was sort of the rebrand. It was like, if we're going to really make this be a world domination, let's let's change it and make it a little more compelling.
0: Well, that MLM thing was kind of how they drew people into the beginning, right? They had the, these totally. professional development seminars under the guise of it actually being an MLM.
1: Exactly. No, it, it really is at its core a multi-level marketing company. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should say most MLMs aren't cults. Uh, right. I feel like I should say that.
0: <laughs> um,
1: though there's some debate over that at this point. But until the final days, most people signed up for Nexium didn't think they were in a cult. They thought they were in a a company where you paid money to be a part of it and you learned things and you climbed the ranks and you got other people to join and you were promoted. I mean that structure isn't designed only, you know, for nefarious purposes, so most people weren't thinking they were in a cult. So yes, they were just an a boring MLM that got really dark because it had some really dark leadership.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about this 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 Keith Rainier. And well and another one that caught my attention is one of his Upper Associates that was indicted along with him in 2018 uh, was Allison Mack, who's an actress who a lot of. I mean, she was in what Smallville. She was in. Yeah, uh, I only know her from Smallville. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never saw Wilford, but I read that she was in that. I saw Smallville, Smallville, but she was like. I mean, she got indicted right along with with Rainier in in 2018.
1: Yeah, she did. Her sentencing is actually coming up on June 30th. Uh, She's been on house arrest since her arrest. And so I'm very curious about that. It's happening actually at the federal court here in Brooklyn. So I'm really trying to get a press pass so I can get in. I don't know what the COVID restrictions are going to be, but I'm very curious what her sentence is going to be. And what's so interesting about Alison Mack, I think, is that she came in like everybody else did as a member and she had a lot of potential. They saw in her, Keith and other leaders so she quickly became a leader and ended up being one of the main recruiters to DOS, which is this secret, much smaller sect of Nexium called DOS. So she is interesting to me because she sort of represents the whole, you know, can you be a victim and a perpetrator? Because Keith Raniere really is the mastermind, but I don't think he could have done it without Nancy Salzman, Claire and Sarah Bronfman, and Alison Mack. So I'm always just As an empath, like I feel for her. I think she was completely swindled, but she was also a knowing adult who recruited women with deception. She didn't tell them that this women's inner circle was actually Keith Ranieri behind the closed doors who knew everything happening, including the branding. I'm sure you got to the branding, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) okay. She knew. She knew Keith was part of it. She knew it was his initials, and she didn't tell them. And so what is her responsibility? And the other women involved as well. I mean, uh, Claire Brompton got 81 months, I think. And we know Keith got 120 years. So I'm very curious what the sentence will be. And I, you know, I'm kind of hoping for a sentence because I think that's, I think that's fair, but I hope also she gets some help. I think these women need some support and services and. I don't know. It's complicated. I think I think victim slash perpetrator is murky and that you can kind of ride both. And I think she's an example of that.
0: You know, I had um, a few years ago on Truth and Justice, we had uh, a listener uh, guest host, one of our follow ups, and she was actually a cult survivor and talked about some of the um, she as a child kind of started seeing through it much sooner than her parents did. Wow. Yeah, and it was it was just it was so interesting because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, right? If I for me like if I'm watching the the documentaries on Nexium or Heaven's Gate or anything, it's like Heaven's Gate blows me away because I still like, I I I don't understand the uh, usually you can see what the underlying motive was like, and so it, with with Nexium, like there was there was sex trafficking and racketeering, and there was it was all about money as opposed to like Heaven's Gate, where it's like, why the hell did they even do this? It doesn't even make I know. any sense. But it was same thing like her. I feel like the person that was originally recruited into it was kind of brainwashed, which would be her parents in this scenario. They just, they just couldn't get out. They couldn't see it. But her as a child that was, you know, kind of got drug into it was like, what the hell is going on?
1: Well, good for her that she had some part of her brain yet left with clarity because it can be so it becomes so normalized when you're raised in the cult that it can be very hard to see. So she's very lucky. And speaking of Heaven's Gate, I actually had a Heaven's Gate survivor on named Frank Lyford who escaped Heaven's Gate a year before the mass suicide. And I agree with you. I feel the same way because I can relate to Nexium in a weird way. I would never have signed up for sex cult, I like to think, but I would have maybe signed up for some self-improvement. You know, I'm in marketing, executive success program, be better in your work and professional life. Sure. Right. There's a time in my life I could see being receptive to it. I don't know if I would have gone all in. Heaven's Gate. I'm like, I just don't, I just don't get it. But what I'm learning and what I've learned from, again, this is why I started dialogue I had on Rick Allen Ross and Dr. La- uh, Yanya Lalik, who are cult experts. Cults are so strategic and smart. The leaders, they tailor their message to the right audience. So Heaven's Gate might not attract you, Bob and me, Rebecca, because we might not have an affinity for other galaxies and believing there's life beyond this planet. Lots of people do. And they really got their start in the 60s and 70s when that was a real, uh, that was a new way to think, right? That there's mm-hmm. maybe a world beyond Earth. And so Frank, this man that I had on, obsessed with UFO- UFOs and aliens and thought a lot about life beyond Earth. And so he didn't go to sign up with a cult, he went to an information session on is there life on other planets? And it was the leaders of that cult. And so he's like, yeah, is there? That's a question I'm asking. Then you meet 10 other people who are asking the same questions. It's a slow, gradual process. And each cult really targets their perfect member. They kind of know where they're wasting their time. Like, I'm not going to last there for a minute because I'm like, maybe there is, but it's not interesting to me. So I don't care to spend time thinking about it, which I mean, I don't know what that says about me, but it's true. So they find the people who are just really interested in that and want to learn more. And then those leaders get to position themselves as experts and authorities. And then it's a slow indoctrination, pretty much.
0: You want you to know something really creepy? You know what you just described? Always.
1: Uh, parenting? No, what? <laughs> you, you,
0: you just described Facebook.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Like, for real, with the algorithms. Like, as I'm listening to this, I'm like, yep, You're right. That's how Facebook works. Is You're
1: right. We tell them what we like.
0: And then they start showing you only people that are that are saying things that you like to say and or that you like to hear and have similar interests. And then you you have these little Facebook cults, is what. And you don't even realize. You know, I've got a thousand friends. You don't realize you're only interacting with two hundred of them because that's who Facebook's showing you.
1: No, you're so right. And I'll take it one further and say Google is doing the same thing too.
0: Sure, 100%. I
1: promise you, one of us will get an ad on our phone when we get off for something that we've talked about right now. Like they're listening. They're, they know our responses. They're getting to where they're predicting our behavior before we've even done something. That's the new age of marketing. Terrifying. Have you ever
0: used the cre- creepy fact that your phone is listening to you all the time to find something you're looking for? Yes. I did, I did before, <laughs> before my camping trick a few weeks ago. So I was I was looking for a because we were backpacking and camping completely remote for six days and I was like I saw somewhere there was a there was like a, a camping grate that that rolled up and and, and had like wires and that and I, was, I couldn't find it anywhere online. So I just sat next to my wife and I was like yes, I'm looking for a backpacking camping grate that rolls up it's packable it's got wires it rolls up you see the camping grate. And then popped open Instagram. I'm like, "Yep, there it is." <laughs> Showed up Bob, immediately.
1: You're a genius, but it's so scary, right? Yep. It's like we're, you know, you're smart enough to use it to your advantage, but it's being used beyond our knowing all the time. It's oh, really got scary. me so many
0: times. I bought someone stupid shit off Instagram because it's like, oh, how would they know I wanted that? Same. But I didn't really I mean, need it. <laughs> I
1: feel like they're thinking thoughts before I've even had them. It's, mm-hmm. it's really scary. Yeah, that is cultish.
0: Well, I watched The the Social Dilemma probably too recently uh, ago, but it was, uh, like, as you're describing it to me, and you're like, yeah, and then, you know, they they weed out and get the only people to sell. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy fuck, that's exactly what yeah. what all these algorithms do, and they don't, you know, it's not a cult, but it certainly, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, like, political discussions with, like, close family members who have, like, who have completely like gone from like reasonable in where they were at. I don't care what side of Lyle anybody's on, but Mm -hmm. they have gone like extreme crazy, can't have a conversation with them. And then, and then you finally get in a room with them and speak to them. And they're basically telling you how like anybody who doesn't think this way is an idiot. Everybody thinks this way. And it's almost like, it was like, you need to put your fucking phone down and go to the coffee shop and talk to a real person.
1: Right. Because they're <laughs> operating in their echo chamber that Facebook and Instagram are helping to create. Yep. Right. I mean, those 200 people out of your thousand friends most likely are aligning with you mm-hmm. on most big issues with the exception of those couple of like people that just pop up in your feed all the time that rile you up to where you can't ignore it and you have to comment. Like they're going to keep coming right. to, to keep things interesting. But like, yeah, we're all pretty much in an echo chamber of our own alignment. And I know, that's a dangerous place to be. And I think that's how QAnon started, which, by the way, is a cult. So, you know, that's a whole other topic. But 2020 was a breeding ground for for new cults that really leveraged people being home and online and lonely.
0: Yeah, that's a lot, what a lot I think. of people with nothing to do.
1: Nothing to do and no human connection during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you had True Crime Binge. You got to talk to podcasters, your family. Some right. people had nobody, you know. Sad.
0: You know, uh, speaking of we touched on it at the beginning of this, I wanted to circle back to it. So you, you got into this and you said that you have a very thin skin and have a hard time. So what has that been like for you? Because you know, once you jump into the space and you're on social media, everybody's got something to say and there's always the the negativity out there. How have you handled that?
1: It depends on the day. You know, I could talk to you today and be like, you know everyone's entitled to their own thoughts. You can't be for everybody. And that's really where I have landed is that like, you can't be all things to all people. I think if you can find an audience who appreciates what you do, understands your intention, that's really all you can ask for. And also know for yourself, what's motivating you. And if, as long as I feel good about that, then I feel great about what I'm putting in the world and whatever comes back at it. But (laughs) some days that's a lot of nonsense. And I'm just like, I misunderstood. And I don't know if you know what the Enneagram is. It's like a personality profile, but I'm a four. I'm a very like feelings-oriented person, and being misunderstood is sort of my Achilles heel.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: I have a tendency to want to – like, I want to respond to people who say things who I feel have misunderstood my intention or my guest or the topic or the idea. And you can't. It's not a good use of energy. You
0: can literally lose your mind trying to do that. You can
1: lose your mind. You can, you can give away your best energy. Like, is this where I should be putting this time and my bandwidth? No. So I'm getting better at it, but it hurts because at the very least, you know, this is content we're putting out to the world for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you don't have, if you don't love it, it just feels like you can just move on with your life without saying something. I'll never really get comfortable with the idea of going out of your way to publicly share that you dislike something. And I don't mean have an issue with something that's legitimate or a concern. Sometimes things need to be called out, but when you're just like nitpicking at a host, cause you don't like their voice or their style or what they're talking about, it just feels not constructive or helpful. I don't know who it's serving. And so I guess the more I can stay in that space, the easier it gets, but um, it hurts. I don't know. I'm sensitive. I want everyone to like me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got, you know, I, I've got. i I've developed a thick skin over the years. I try not to even read a lot of the comments, but the problem yeah. is I do, my other show was a crowdsource investigation. I have to be part of the interaction sometimes. And, I've, yeah. it, it, and I've, I'm, I've gotten pretty good about just ignoring, ignoring it, but every once in a while, and it's kind of the same thing that you said, where it'll be just like, Somebody will say, well, Bob thinks, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, Bob
1: doesn't. Mother, Don't (laughs) speak for Bob. Yeah, Yeah, totally, totally. not at
0: all how I feel. And then you feel the need to respond. Then you do. And then Mm -hmm. it just breaks bad from there. But I'm just always curious for people, especially people that have only been in the industry for a couple of years, like how that's going. I was just talking to Josh Hallmark about it. uh, I heard that
1: conversation and I related a lot. I, I love him and I love how he thinks about it. But yeah, I think I'm a work in progress on that, and I'll I'll keep getting a little tougher, and I'll keep getting um, a little less interested. But I'm still new enough that I'm curious enough to know, like you know, to read the temperature sometimes, and it's usually good. Um, But I also think, you know, your criticism grows in proportion to your success. Mm -hmm. So, you know, massively successful people are going to get a lot of criticism because it's proportionate to all the people who love them. So. When I see an uptick in that, I'm like, oh, more people are listening. (laughs) Like that's one positive spin you could put on it. Like the more people chiming up about how they think you're racist, the more people it means more people listened. So there's that. That's like the upside if I want to be like Pollyanna about it.
0: Right. I I I love your like, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. I was gonna say spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) hippy-dippy <laughs> <something>. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I love your vibe. Let's just say that. Just, Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Thanks. And with that, we are, we are at about 45 minutes, so I want to get this wrapped up so I can do all the rest of the work that I've got to do this week so that I can see you in the True Crime Yay! Time Machine tomorrow at That's right, Crime Con
1: In Austin.
0: Yep. So, ladies and gentlemen, her name is Rebecca Sebastian. The podcast is called Dialogue. Check it out. It'll be your next big true crime binge, and uh, she's got several episodes with some great experts talking about not only Nexium, other cults, every true crime topic that you can imagine. Over 100 episodes are coming up on 100 episodes. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining me, and I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Thanks, Bob. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you. See you tomorrow.
0: please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen and make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at true crime binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case and another true crime binge.